do you want to tee up, Tiger? <laughs> I, um, I kind of like the first one and the last one. You want to do that? Yeah. Okay. How's that feel to you? That sounds good. I'm 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 flexible. I'm like Gumby Man. You know me. Welcome to the intro. I'm Josh Anderson. And I'm Bob Galen. And Josh, you know what? What? I'm freaking disappointed. I'm you, sad. You too? Yeah. What are you, what are you sad about? You know, uh, both of us reached out across the social networks that we have that are pretty darn broad. And we offered up free, yeah. basically one-to-one coaching. You give us a question, we will answer it for you. Anything. Anything. And ask me anything. Right. And what happened, Bob? What happened? Drum roll, please. We got got four questions. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm thankful for the four people that stepped up to the plate. Absolutely. But, come on. I've got 13,000 LinkedIn connections. Mm Mm-hmm. I've got like 3,000 Twitter connections. This went out to you, Josh. It went out to Josh's. Yep. And we got four. Yep. Just um, just the Metacast alone, that Twitter account has three three thousand followers. You know. Huh, so. Right. So, ladies and gentlemen, yep. take it as a challenge. Take. I'm throwing. Damn it! I'm throwing the gauntlet oh, down. Nice. Wow. Nice. Yep. Y'all need to step up. Yep. And stump us. Get us some questions. We want. We we need some work here. So we got two more in the yeah. queue. We just did two. We've got two more in the queue. But damn it, step in. Step last up. I checked, Bob, last I checked, who do we do this for? Do we do this for you and me? I don't do it for me. No, no. We are doing this for listeners, and we are we are handing you the keys, saying, take this content wherever you want it to go. What is the biggest problem you have? We will answer that question for you. And all you have to do is type a few characters. Simple. Uh, Free. All right. Enough of that, I guess. I, I got it off my chest. <laughs> okay. I got it off my Fine. chest. Fine. Hey, let's go reward the people that stepped up and sent in their questions. That's let's where I'm at. Let's on, do it. On to the episode. Absolutely. Welcome to the Metacast. I'm Josh Anderson. And I'm Bob Galen. Hey, Metacasters. I'm getting a little stir crazy. Like cabin fever. Cabin fever! <laughs> Was that a song at some point? I know. Or did you just create one? <laughs> I don't even don't even challenge me. Uh, uh, so, Metacasters, we have we have a little twist. Uh, we put out a call for mm-hmm. Ask Me Anything's. We sure did, and we got a couple. Not yeah, I, not, yeah. I, not not that many. No, I'm disappointed in the count. Disappointed. I disappointed. am. I mean, how how much time does it take to get up off your duff? And just lay one on us and yeah. just and stop For, us. Last wow. I checked, like it was free, right? It's just like some keystrokes on your keyboard. Yeah. And you get your questions answered. Exactly. It's like a magic eight ball. You know, like you push the button and you shake it. <laughs> well, and, let's uh let's show them what they're missing. Let's give some of the folks that opted in and 
put themselves out there and asked a question. Let's give them like the greatest answer in the universe. So that way everybody's like, wow, I really missed my chance. Let's go for it. So the first first question comes from Dean Peters. Dean Peters mm-hmm. is local here, a leader, a product-centric guy in the Triangle. Uh, forget where he's working now, uh, but it's a nice company that I recall. Everything's nice. There is talk that we are emerging into a post-Agile era. What are your thoughts on that sentiment? And even if such conversations are total crap, where do you see Agile evolving in the next 24 months in light of such conversations? You can tell he's a product guy. You know that? <laughs> yes, he does have a, yes. A it certain have feel. A certain je ne sais quoi. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I was thinking. Okay, so that concept you and I have discussed a couple times on various episodes. We did the Has Agile Jumped the Shark? We even did one where we said Agile is dead. So this is one of those things that I think has been percolating out in the wild for quite a while. And I think it's just that happens when things reach a certain age that there's enough experience, there's enough folks that have done it and tried it. And to me, the exciting thing and what I value is that the value of Agile is leading to its change or demise even in the fact that we're making it better. We're figuring out ways to do it differently and better that might look completely different than what was dreamt up however many years ago. And to me, I think that means that it wins. So that's the quick take I have on it. I mean, I, I actually disagree. Ooh, nice. Which is, uh, and, and the reason I do is I don't think, so one, I think one of the drivers for this for Dean is hearing things like, I'm going to pull some terms up, like safe. I hear people mm-hmm. talking, I, uh, scaled agile framework. I hear people using safe nowadays and they don't mention the A word. So they, they say, well, we're going agile. What is that? Oh, we, we're adopting safe. So everything mm-hmm. is subsumed in safe. So that's one dynamic um, to mention. The second dynamic is DevOps, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, DevOps is the new Agile. I just had someone, I saw a, um, in a LinkedIn um, post just yesterday, I think, from a guy. And he's like, if you're an Agile coach and you're not expert in DevOps, then you need to get expert in DevOps. So DevOps has replaced it. Uh, at least some people were saying that. And uh, business agility is another thing. There's a business. Did you know that there was a business agility institute, Josh? No, no I did not. There's a gentleman who started it. He's from Australia. They've run some conferences. They have a website. Uh, they affiliate with some organizations that do certs and tools and frameworks and things like that. And I think their view is business agility is this broader view. Um, I so you were talking about the, the the new, you know, it evolved in the new. Mm-hmm. And I actually think the new things are just agile dressed up in a new coat. And, okay. yeah. and, and, and actually they haven't subsumed it. Agile is fine. We're not in a post agile era. We're in the agile era. And now people are making shit up. Excuse me. Ooh. And and extending it, Feisty. Uh, but I think it's still doing it well. Is a go back to the basics. Mm-hmm. I actually think it's a post pre agile era. 
where what? I think some that people are so starting. That's like I know, but it's like some people are going back to basics, Josh. Some people okay. are going back and saying, you know what? You know, we've, we've added too much crap to this stuff, like these scaling frameworks. Why don't we simplify? And why don't we get yeah. back to the heart? There's this motion, I, I, who is it? The Heart of Agile by Alistair Coburn. He talks about getting back to the heart of it. So I, I know I'm talking a lot. I'm just saying I, I, I see it. I don't think I'm strongly disagreeing with you. I think these things are evolutionary. But yeah. my point is I think they're in the same, they're in the same frame. And some people are making shit up to try to generate revenue and to get leaders yeah, excited yeah. about something new and shiny. Uh, I actually think Agile's fine the way it is, and some of that stuff could stop. So I want to take two differing responses on what you've said. I agree and disagree with you. One, I agree with the business businessification, making up words now, um, of Agile and how that has all of those things you mentioned, all of the institutes and safe and everything that's created a business around it, that that um, is one of the things that is creating some of the issues that we're talking about. But I think if you go back to the, the manifesto, right, it was simple. And it didn't prescribe all of these giant orgs and, and, and mechanisms of how people should work. And it wasn't about that. And I think what things like DevOps, which you've mentioned, is people have started to look and say, where else can I apply this? And what's the right way to do this? How lean can we really get? So I think if you boil it down to the basics, like you're talking, I think there's some very exciting things that are happening. But then the opposite side is what you just mentioned. It's all of those other things that are out there, revenue-generating, revenue-focused things that are out there that are making it feel not comfortable. I mean, DevOps, use that as an example, though. To me, is DevOps a version two of Agile? Uh, I don't think of it that way. Or is it an evolutionary step of Agile? Like, so it left Agile behind. So mm -hmm. Agile Agile started and then stopped and then DevOps took over. I don't see it that way. No, no. I, I see DevOps as being this extension across the pipeline of Agile thinking. It's a wonderful extension. Uh, of lean thinking, right? right? Of, of factoring in like customer usage statistics and feeding that back into the pipeline, right? So extending, sort of extending the value stream. But, but, and then there's some tool aspects, right, to DevOps. There's some tooling aspects. And that's where people get their hooks in. They're all like, you know, we can sell tools and we can sell tools <laughs> consulting and, and, right. and, and all of that stuff. But to me, the essence of DevOps is this wonderful. So I was doing DevOps before at, at uh, Channel Advisor and I contact our DevOps thinking. We were doing DevOps. We didn't right. have a name for it. And and because we were taking our agile mindset and extending it as far as we could go upstream and downstream. Right? Yeah. Uh, so I, I think it is wonderful. You know, business agility is wonderful. I like your business vacation or whatever that term was. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, no, or or yeah. you know, rev revenue, right? right? Revenue generation or something. So I think post-Agile era, no, but that's, I think that's crap. I, I don't agree with that sort of notion. What you come out, where's your, where do you stand on that? So I agree. I think DevOps, as I said, is we started 
to apply lean thinking to some of the traditionally difficult pieces and started to evolve that side of building and shipping software in ways that were very exciting and allowed us to um, shrink time, effort, and energy and to turn around and have those feedback loops as fast as possible. To me, that's one of those things where DevOps is key in feedback loops being as quick as possible because otherwise Agile gets pretty darn hard. And I think it's one of those things that makes Agile work well. Um, but again, the business side gets in the way. But if you if you like shove all those things off, off to the side, you put them in the trash and focus on things like DevOps that are happening, I think it's changing into something new and exciting. What that looks like, I don't know. But I think if you can you know, squint or whatever you have to do to get rid of the business stuff that's out there. I, to me, I see it as it's changing. What it's changing to, I, I don't know, but I, I think there's some really good stuff being done out there. But again, is it under the original manifesto, the basic practices, principles of the manifesto, or is it something else? I think it's under the basic premises yeah, right. and extending them rather than like post agile we were in the World War II era and then we are in the modern, you know, in the eighties. It's there's sort of a put all of it behind you and and create something new. I don't think we're creating something new. No, but I think even in that instance, the lessons learned in World War II shaped who we became in the eighties. So, so I think all of these so, things so, are shaping so, a new future. So stop it. So take a stand. Are we post-Agile era or not? I say we're not. You say? I say we are on the cusp. Oh, that's a... Are you running for bear of Futuri? <laughs> no. <laughs> what the so hell I, was that? What I'm trying to say is that I don't think we're there yet, but I think it's evolving in new and exciting ways that are going to make 2022 look different than, you know, when you and I first starting All right. together in 2008. So that goes into the, and that's in good ways. Yes. So that's good. That is a one year, the segue Meister, man, I, I pale in comparison to your ability to segue. So that's a wonderful segue into how do we see agile evolving in the next 24 months or so in light of that. So how about mm -hmm. like two, two to three things? For each of us, so you go. You go first. What do you, What do you see in two to three significant shifts? Oh man, I don't have a good answer. I think. Can I buy you? Want me to try to buy you time? Do you yeah, want yeah, because I got something churning in there, but I don't have it finalized. So I've I've got three, and and these are more hopes. Uh, do you have notes? Yeah, of course I do. I I, <laughs> I made them up as as we're talking. I I didn't prepare that okay for this. oh sorry I, I didn't know which ones we were going to pick we're okay gonna, we're going to pick it so i'm not fully prepared but i i'm somewhat prepared so <laughs> okay. so back to the basics my hope yeah. and these are these are hopes not for these are significant hopes so i hope one hope is that the the back to basics and back to simplicity stuff that mindset uh continues and it in, and it generates more momentum Mm -hmm. So that we do that. The second one is I hope the scaled agile framework dies in the next two. That's a, that's a, that's a hope. <laughs> I hope right. it, I yeah. hope it explodes in the face of, of the creators and it, maybe even all the scaling frameworks. Like I, I would have mm -hmm. a picture of them all sort of exploding up into the air. And then the results of them come, come flying down to earth in little pieces of, 
tactics that work and don't work. Mm-hmm. And, and people then are forced to pick up the pieces and create their own scaling frameworks that make sense, that are simple, and it align with the manifesto. So that's my second hope. Uh, I don't know. I think the first one has more of a chance. Mm-hmm. And then I see something like people, I saw a post the other day where, where someone was saying, one of the things that really gets me wired is you're not doing scrum and you're not following the scrum guide. There are, there are people training like Ryan. Ryan Ripley is one of these folks. Mm-hmm. He trains in it. But I mean, there's thousands of folks like that. That, that are on this, you know, the kick that you have to be doing all of Scrum. And mm-hmm. I saw an anecdote that, uh, uh, not Schwaber, but Sutherland said something like, Scrum is just the beginning, and you need to evolve from it. Right. And, and my hope is that we stop, like, doing out of the box what we perceive to be following the checklist of Scrum or Kanban or anything else. And it, I think it aligns with Back to Basics. And we start giving ourselves permission to evolve, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of organizations, like they're, when they when they put the safe jacket on, it's a straight jacket. When they put yeah. the scrum jacket on, yep. it's a straight jacket. Uh, now they may they may be doing things poorly, but they they can't even investigate. Oh, it's like we suck at scrum. No, maybe you don't suck at scrum. Maybe you need to like, like throw some of that away and reinvent something else or try some experiments. Oh, but we can't because we're in this straight jacket. So that's my three basics. Right. Uh, blow up the scaling frameworks; they blow themselves up, and then and then stop the remove the straitjackets. I see that, and there are hopes yeah. for the predictions. Well, and so that last one is interesting because it it feels like it's always two ends of the spectrum, where it's you're in a straitjacket or you're out in the wilderness just trying random things and exactly. failing on random things. Yep, I agree with that. Yeah. I, I agree with that. So try okay. it on, yeah. but then like bust the buttons out and don't put them back on, right? right. Yeah. Yep. Or rip a sleeve off yep. and, and leave it behind you. So now, did, did, you, did you take notes? Uh, no, not mental notes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew that answer. Yeah. Go ahead. So my 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 hope similar to yours and it it feels kind of dark as I sit watch and listen to the number of companies and people that are currently enjoying work from home given the state of the world. My hope is that there's a rebound back into valuing face-to-face communication, working next to peers. That's something that's very important to me. And um, I think we're, we as a society are on this like natural high of working from home. And I worry about s- sustainability and I think it might rubber band back to, holy crap, we're going to work next to each other. And I forgot how powerful this was. Um, so that's, uh, but I don't see a lot of trends in that direction, right? You look at all the large companies that are saying the significant portions, if not all, are going to work from home in perpetuity, right? So that doesn't line up with what I'm I'm expecting. But I I do really hope that there's a rediscovery of the value of sitting right next to each other. I mean, you and I, right? Like we've been talking for weeks about getting back together and doing this in person. Yes, we can do this. Yes, we can make it work. But we both know 
that the content that we create is better when we're right next to each other, looking at each other, able to to react more in real time. And I think there's tremendous value in that. And I hope there's a rediscovery of that in the next year or so. I love that. That's a great one. I, I, I hope you. That's have all a, I got. That's all you got. Yeah. I well, it was beautiful. It was. I have the same. I've been thinking about the same thing because all these people are coming online. Yeah. Everyone's pivoting so strong. There's a guy, Magnus. I forget his last name, and he works from home. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, he he uh, types some things on LinkedIn, but he's very. Uh, he's got. Um, he he's got. I, I don't know. Uh, I forget autism, mm-hmm. and he, he's he's a senior leader at a company, and he's mm-hmm. a great thought leader. I, I met him at Red Hat years ago, mm-hmm. but I see him. But from an autistic perspective, it, it's in that spectrum. It's more comfortable not being in crowds and being by yourself and being at home. So he's really yeah. drumming the beat of this is a realization. So we we strongly pivot and we don't work in buildings anymore. Right. In technology. And, and I see he's probably the strongest one and I understand why it's he's got a personal, it Mm -hmm. makes it, there's a comfort or it works for him. Right. But at the same time, I'm missing people. Uh, and I never thought I would say that because I, I was working for home before COVID, but, but it's face to face rocks. Mm Mm-hmm. Getting to know, it is incredibly difficult to get to know people, the nuance. You and I, like you said, you and I play off of each other in the Metacast. We read our, uh, you know, and I mean, it really engenders like a lot of value in the discussion, right? Yep. Uh, And you can't simulate that. And and teams can't simulate that. And I think the pendulum is swinging. There's some companies that are talking about, that are announcing now, what, end of the year or permanent. Uh, who was? Yeah. I saw, I saw I think, some like Twitter. Yeah, and, Twitter. And yeah. Now Twitter, you know, we're not going to work together anymore. Yeah. And there's a part of that that breaks my heart because we we're swinging so far from an agile point of view. I hope that doesn't happen. Yeah, and I that's something I've wrestled with for a long, long time. Is I've always toyed with a concept of building a truly global team and expanding the talent search from a 50 mile radius to a globe and imagine the team that you could build if your resource pool was the globe instead of a 50 mile radius. Now what I'm, what I always wrestle with is what am I giving up to get that talent? Can we find a way to get these group of people to work together as well as a group of people that sit next to each other on a daily basis? And I've never been able to convince myself of that. And I think now we're convincing ourselves that we can do this based on a very small set of data. And I think there are a lot of people that are over-rotating on we can do this forever when we haven't done it forever. We've done it for like two or three months and we've powered through it. But what's it going to be like when it's two or three years? What's that going to look like? Well, can you imagine like you're hired into a company and you work remotely and it's, you know, average tenure, maybe it's two, three years or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you leave and you never actually met it. It will, it might be conceivable. You've never actually physically met any of the folks you work with. Yeah. And, and that makes me sad. Now, in some cases, I know Medicare, I'm reading your minds. I know where the, I know you work with some people that you would <laughs> never, you would never want to see them, but there are people that you really want to collaborate with. 
the personal side of things, getting to know, you know, not just them, but like getting to know their families. Right. Potentially uh, getting, you know, getting to meet their families, uh, you know, like company picnics and things like that. So, mm-hmm. all right. Why don't we, why don't we shift to Mike, Mike Hall, who's a coach in the Austin or Dallas area. He's in Texas. Okay. Uh, and he said, list a few common leadership anti-patterns. And, and Josh, I have to couch this with stop being so wordy. So try to be succinct. Okay. <sighs> okay. So, so list a few common leadership anti-patterns that stifle and agile transformation. Well, the first one is always trust or lack of trust. And that can be very difficult to let go if you've never extended trust before, that's a that's a hardcore shift that a lot of leaders really wrestle with. And they're trying, they intend to do well, but they have years, maybe decades of lack of trust behaviors where they never actually empower teams. So to me, that's trust is always number one um, in a million different directions. Okay. Uh, second is a dependency on dates. And not becoming an agile organization and being able to respond to the reality and the latest forecast of what's happening. Uh, That's where I think so many leaders struggle is that they struggle to become an agile organization. We've talked about this before, right, where um, agile is just a software thing and then the rest of the business doesn't become agile and then it creates this huge rift as there's a very waterfall approach for most of the company and this one subsection is trying to do agile and they don't really play well together. So not leading a true agile adoption across the organization is another huge one that I see so many people just not even try and do. And that's where things really start to fall over. Cool. Any more? Uh, no, I'm going to stop there since you're trying to keep my work count down. Well, I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep it even. <laughs> <laughs> even. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. That's very nice like, oh, Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> so uh, I wrote three. Uh, I may have more. Uh, lack of going first. So, and I think they might be interrelated. Uh, so hmm. leaders either don't go agile themselves, or uh, they, you know, the the, or they go last. Mm-hmm. And and I want. I I think so. That's the anti pattern. I want the pattern to be leaders go first. I'm really harping on leaders go first. They get coaching first. They get training first. They change their mindset before they ta- start talking down to the teams. Uh, I think it's related to it is I have checkbook versus personal engagement. So engaging at a budget level, like paying for Agile, and that's it. For um, yeah, as opposed, I gotcha. okay. fully, as opposed to fully engaging yourself mm-hmm. during the mm-hmm. entire uh, life cycle of it. So get in the game, right? So go first, lead by example, get in the game. And the third one was, uh, I see a lot of poor whys out there, like you know, not being able to articulate. And, it, and I think it up with hierarchical. Oh, yeah. Okay. I got you. Right. What is your personal why? Why the hell are you doing mm-hmm. it? Right. And, and I want a compelling why. I don't want this. My boss made me do it crap. Yeah. So why are you doing it? Why are your teams doing it? And then why is your organization doing it? And you can need, and they connect the dots. So you have this articulatable why. That's that's compelling, and that it's connected from senior leadership down to the teams. Yeah, yeah. The one thing that I just just to build on that, 
one of the first discussions I have whenever I'm coaching a new org is I find the senior most responsible party that's leading this agile adoption. And I have a very strong discussion with them, letting know that they are the ones that are going to determine whether or not this succeeds or fails. Because at some point, somebody's not going to like it and they're going to have the willingness, gusto, whatever it is to come and complain to you. And in that moment, you're going to determine what happens. Do you really understand and believe in those whys that Bob mentioned and can explain to that person, listen, I hear you. I understand it's hard, but we're doing this because of X, Y, and Z. And so many people don't know that why that Bob mentioned, and they start to bail. They start to lessen. They start to pull the rug out out from under the coach or the process or whatever. And that starts to unravel. It might not change it right then, but you're sending the message that, you know what? It's not really that important as opposed to really holding firm and saying, no, like this is who we're going to be and I need you to get on board and here's why. And that and that's a pivotal moment that is going to define whether or not this thing works. Cool. I have a maybe another one I'd add. Okay. Is, is uh, anti-pattern is biting off more than you can chew. And oh, I think yeah. It, and I think it might relate to your fixed dates a little bit. Um, but I see, and, and this is not the teams doing it. This is leaders shoving, you know, 10 pounds into, in, into a five pound pipe and expecting the team. To, so you shove 10 in, you expect 20 and the team can only do five of capacity. Right. And that doesn't work. And what you're, what you're doing, the anti-pattern is it's creating churn. And I don't know if I've encountered a company in the last 10 years, not one in the, at least in the beginning that was, that was not chewing more, you know, biting off. Oh more yeah. 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 Like I, it just is incredibly, and I'm not talking about like a 30%. I'm talking about, they have like two times, three times, four times their, their capacity in flight. And, and they're wondering why they're having so many issues, right? Morale mm-hmm. issues, quality issues. And, but then when you suggest that they are biting off more than they can chew, Oh my God, you should see it. It's like, what are you talking about? We can't compete. So that's that's a pretty, in my experience, a pretty common anti-pattern. And we flip it around. It's like just stop that. That yeah. leader leaders are empowered to stop. Yeah. They, they should. That's not leaders. That's like pass through leadership. Yeah. Well, yeah. And so that's not having the courage, as we've talked about so many times, to say, "Listen, we've got to stop. We're doing way too much. Somebody has to have that courage to slam on the brakes with both feet." And say, this is like, this is impossible. We need to reevaluate what we can and can't do. And somebody, a leader should do it, but somebody in the organization needs to make that happen. And to your point, it very seldom happens. Anything else come to mind for that? Uh, common leadership banning patterns? I think we covered a nice set. Yeah. Yeah. I Are we too. ready to stick a fork in this one, Josh? I think so. I think a fork is just. So, Mike, so Dean Peters. Yes. Gracias. Absolutely. Mike Hall. Hasta la vista. No, I mean, uh, thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I'm just out of control, Josh. You know, last night, speaking of that phrase, last night we showed um, our kids Terminator 2, Judgment <laughs> Day for the first time. So that uh, rings a bell from last night. 
did so. they did they resonate with it or did they yeah. like it? Yeah, yeah. 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 He, Arnold Arnold had a had a thing going there. He had a, he he yeah. did well in that role. All yeah. right, Metacasters from beautiful downtown Cary, North Carolina. I'm Bob Galen, and from beautiful Fuquay Arena, North Carolina. I'm Josh Anderson. Shake and bake. Take care, y'all.